Roswell Park Cancer Institute is dedicated to providing cancer patients, survivors, and family members inspirational stories, wellness tips, and the latest cancer news. Here's another episode in our podcast series, Cancer Talk with Bill Klaproth. Sarcoma is an uncommon group of cancers which arise in the bones and connective tissues such as fat and muscle. Treatment may include surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. And here to talk with us more about sarcoma is Dr. John Kane III, Chief of the Melanoma Sarcoma Service and Chair of Surgical Oncology at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Dr. Kane, thank you so much for your time today. So can you go into a bit more detail of what sarcoma is and who is at risk for sarcoma? Uh, so sarcoma is actually a very interesting type of cancer. Um, what Sarcoma actually means fish flesh, so that was the original description of the way it looked. Um, a good way to think about sarcomas is as, as that they're cancers of the glue of the body. As you had mentioned, uh, they arise from muscle, bone, tendon, nerve, fat, connective tissue, all the things that kind of hold people together. Because of that, those cells really aren't dividing. They're, it's a rare, very rare cancer. There will probably be almost 13,000 sarcomas this year in the United States. They represent about 1% of cancers that adults get, a little bit more common in children, mainly because children don't tend to get breast cancer, colon cancer, things like that. The vast majority of them are actually bad luck. That one cell became abnormal, um, went almost from an, a normal cell to cancer in one step. Uh, probably 10% of them, a small subset of them, would be due to exposures in the environment, and they're very specific exposures. For example, high doses of radiation, for example, that you would use to treat rectal cancer or breast cancer or prostate cancer can occasionally cause a sarcoma. Certain toxic chemicals, uh, primarily herbicides and pesticides. So if you look, people are professional landscapers, gardeners, grew up on a farm um, through most of their life. Uh, Vietnam veterans that were sprayed with Agent Orange, uh, they were, you know, that those are all risk factors for getting a sarcoma. So it's not any chemical; it's, it's certain types of chemicals. And then probably another 10 percent or so are uh, genetic. So there are certain known mutations. Uh, patients that have neurofibromatosis, von Recklinghaus' disease. When we talk about the elephant man, they're at very high risk for getting certain types of sarcomas. Uh, there's a mutation called Lee from any where you have a mutation in P53, and that's a gene in your body that corrects mistakes that cells make when they're dividing, tries to shut down the cell so it doesn't become cancer. Those patients are at much higher risk for getting soft tissue sarcomas. Um, but unfortunately, most of them really, it's just something changed and one cell became abnormal. For that reason, they affect any age group. We call it the cancer that doesn't discriminate. There's six-month-old babies that can get sarcomas, uh, pay up to 100 years old. So it's not really an age-related cancer. Um, we see lots of patients in their 20s and 30s, but also in their 80s and 90s. So it's, it's really, uh, thankfully, rare, um, but a very unusual type of cancer. Yeah, so very rare. And does it usually strike a certain part of the body? Be because it comes from the tissues that hold you together, you can get a sarcoma anywhere in your body. So probably half of them occur on what we call the extremities, the arms or the legs. Uh, but then about 20%, 30% of them will occur inside the abdomen or even in the back of the abdomen, what we call the retroperitoneum. Um, think about you're in a, a furnished living room and it, you're underneath the wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. So that's where the kidneys and the major blood vessels are. Uh, people get them in their head and neck region. We resect them from the ribs and the chest wall. You can even get a primary sarcoma in a vital organ. So it can form in the blood vessels, in the liver, in the lung. So it, it, it 
one of those things, wherever you have those types of tissues, you're at risk for getting a sarcoma. We even get some sarcomas that form in the skin. So it's not a skin mm. cancer. It's a sarcoma that just happened to be in the skin. And what are the symptoms generally? Most of them will present as a painless mass. So since it, if you think about malignant cells, they're your own cells. And by the cancer getting established, your, your immune system, your body hasn't recognized it in a sense. So Unless the tumor is invading into a nerve or pushing on a structure, uh, most of the time the patient will just notice a painless mass. I don't remember this, you know, golf ball in my calf or, you know, I was in the shower and I realized I had this lump on my back. Uh, many people will attribute it to a trauma, but there isn't really any compelling data that an injury or an accident will cause the sarcoma. What it probably does is it draws attention to the tumor. So you bump yourself and your hips a little bit sore. And when you reach there to say, oh, my hip's sore, you notice that you found this, this mass that wasn't there before. Uh, as we use CAT scans and other imaging more and more, if you have a kidney stone, if you go to the emergency room with abdominal pain, some of them are actually picked up what we call incidentally, that there weren't any symptoms, the patient got a CAT scan for another reason, and there's a football-sized mass in the back of their abdomen. Um, it, it, in some ways, what it's we'd like to change over time, and we've seen this throughout the world, from the time the patient has symptoms, you know, I've noticed the mass or there's this lump, to the diagnosis, uh, the median time or about for half the patients, it's up to six months. And I think some of that is because it's rare, uh, people don't think about it. It's, they don't put it on the list of possibilities when the person has the mass. They think it's a hematoma or a, a lipoma, you know, a benign fatty tumor, things that are more common. Um, and some of it too is the patient isn't always, oh, I have this lump, but it doesn't hurt. I'll just keep an eye on it for a while. And then it's only over time, over a few months when it starts to grow that they become more concerned. So we're hoping to decrease that time in the future uh, due to awareness for patients, uh, providers, things like that. And when you determine that it is sarcoma, how is it treated? So it would depend on the stage, and, and very, people are very familiar when we talk about stage one, two, three, four, and interestingly, sarcomas, that's not a good system, and it's because there's a lot of subtleties. So for example, there's probably upwards of 50 different types of sarcomas, and the type alone can sometimes behave a little bit differently. Some are much more likely to spread to distant organs than others. Uh, we have low-grade and high-grade growing slowly, growing quickly. The location on the body can actually help determine whether or not the sarcoma will spread. Um, sarcomas of the arms and legs tend to be less aggressive in terms of spreading to the distant organs than the same sarcoma in inside your abdomen or in your chest. Uh, the age of the patient makes a difference. Interestingly, younger patients do better than older patients. It's not due to their health. It's just that somehow sarcomas become somewhat more aggressive as patients get older. And then the size also is very important. So a sarcoma the size of a golf ball, everything else being the same, the type, the grade, the location, will have a lower chance of spreading as compared to a sarcoma the size of a football. So when people talk about customized medicine in sarcomas, we can actually have computer algorithms where you punch in the age, the size of the tumor, the location, the type, and you can give sort of an individualized risk for its spreading. So uh, the best sarcomas may have a 90 plus percent chance of being cured, but then we have some sarcomas that will start to push a 50, 60, 70 percent chance of spreading to the distant organs in the first five years. So for the primary tumor, the main goal is to try to remove it or surgically resect it with negative margins. Uh, sarcomas have what's called a pseudocapsule. They, have, they grow like a mass or a lump, but there's little microscopic roots or tentacles that grow out past that probably sometimes three-quarters of an inch. 
So when you remove it, you would like to get a rim of normal tissue around it to make sure you got those roots um, to reduce the chance of it coming back. If we think that we can do that with surgery alone, surgery would be the, the primary treatment. If we feel that those roots might be close to something very important that we don't want to take, so for example, it's next to your femur bone in your thigh or your sciatic nerve, uh, if we just did surgery and we leave some of that root, higher chance of it coming back, and that may actually cost the patient their arm or their leg if it comes back. Mm-hmm. So we will then combine it, surgery, with radiation. And if we know that we're going to do radiation, we do the radiation first. Um, if we have something to shoot at, but the tumor's still there. It's actually a smaller dose because radiation needs oxygen to work, and the tumor being there has a better blood supply, better oxygenation, and it's over a smaller area because we haven't done anything to it yet. So for a primary sarcoma, high risk of coming back, we'll give you often five weeks of preoperative radiation, repeat all the scans, and then do surgery. If we're not sure that they need it, we'll often do surgery, and then we can give postoperative radiation if, when the final results come back. We decide, well, it would, you know, we'd like to reduce the risk of it coming back. Let's add some radiation, but it, it tends to be a higher dose, you know, a larger area. It takes longer. It takes six to seven weeks to give it. And then for the very, very high-risk ones in healthy people, we'll think about either giving several cycles of chemotherapy before we even treat the tumor, what we call neoadjuvant, to say, let's get chemotherapy into the person's system as early as possible in case there's little cells hidden in the lungs or liver. Um, We can hopefully kill them before they have a chance to establish and grow. Or if we didn't do it before surgery for some of the high-risk patients, we'll give it after surgery. So we may give four to six months of insurance chemotherapy. But many sarcomas will just be treated with surgery if they're low risk. And many of them also will just require surgery and radiation. So not all sarcomas need chemotherapy um, like we use for some other cancers. For example, breast cancer, most women will get chemotherapy. That's not the case with sarcomas. And what treatment types are offered at Roswell Park Cancer Institute? And, and what sets Roswell Park Cancer Institute apart from other cancer centers when it comes to sarcoma treatment? So I think a couple things. The most important thing is it's very rare. So if you think about breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, common cancers, many people are familiar with, you know, caring with those, for those types of cancers and patients with those cancers. Uh, Sarcomas, we see patients from all over the state, from other states in, in the U.S., even from out of the country, because they're so rare and each type has a subtle difference to it. You know, some behave differently than others, some respond to chemo, some don't. Um, there's an expertise here. I, I'm the main soft tissue sarcoma surgeon. We have an orthopedic oncologist who treats the bony uh, sarcomas and some other soft tissue tumors. We have a radiation oncologist who just treats sarcomas. We have a medical oncologist who just gives chemotherapy to sarcomas. So we have a group of people who have significant experience which, with what would otherwise be a very rare tumor. We actually have a sarcoma conference every week. So all the new patients that I see We present them in a room. The radiologists put up the imaging. We actually have pathologists here who have expertise in sarcomas, including doing molecular testing, looking for gene mutations that may either define what type of sarcoma it is or also to help guide treatment. Based on certain mutations, a specific drug may work. So every Monday for one and a half to two hours, we actually sit in a room and we go through these patients. We talk about them. We come up. Is this patient going to get preoperative radiation, in which case we send them to the sarcoma radiation oncologist. Uh, so it really, the, the patients are getting the best possible plan. Usually your first shot at treating a sarcoma is going to be your best shot. So you don't want to ever say, well, boy, I wish we would have actually done this first in this situation. We actually talk about it ahead of time. 
One of the other things I think that really helps the patients is that we have an approach to make the diagnosis. So um, years ago, when I first came to Roswell, we would see a lot of sarcomas that had already been removed. Somebody completely cut out the tumor. It had positive margins. Um, that meant that we, you know, we couldn't give preoperative radiation or we couldn't give preoperative chemotherapy and then see was the chemotherapy actually working because the tumor was still there as a marker for whether it was responding or not. And there are also some benign tumors that in the past were treated with surgery, but now we don't do surgery. We do observation. We may treat them with like very simple medications. So what we've tried to do is move everything upstream. So we'll see patients with a suspicious mass. They don't have to have a sarcoma diagnosis or any kind of cancer diagnosis, if they're concerned about the mass, if their primary care doctor's concerned, we'll see them. We'll make sure we get the most cost-effective imaging. There's a lot of things we don't need to get. Sometimes a CAT scan is what we need, sometimes just an MRI. And then we actually have a process where we'll do the biopsy and make the diagnosis, and that's almost always done with what's called a core needle biopsy. So people are more familiar with breast tumors. So for years and years, a woman with a breast mass went to a surgeon. He or she surgically removed the mass. If it came back benign, the woman was happy, but she had a scar in her breast for the rest of her life, and she had had surgery. If it was breast cancer, it wasn't the cancer surgery, so she still had to go have a second operation. Now that same woman would get a mammogram or an ultrasound, and using a special needle that takes little pencil point-sized pieces, they would do biopsies of the tumor in the breast and make the diagnosis with basically you know, an incision the size of a grain of rice, uh, very low risk of bleeding, very low risk of infection. We can do the same thing with sarcomas at almost any location in the body. So instead of the patient having to have surgery and cutting it open and the risk of bleeding and infection, we can we have our radiologists under image guidance take five or six little pencil point size pieces. The pathologist can do everything with those that you could do with a piece the size of a marble, you know, or even a bigger piece that we would cut out surgically, including the genetic testing and the mutations. So about 90 to 95% of the time with a, a basically a 10-minute outpatient procedure under local anesthesia, we can make the diagnosis, including the type of sarcoma, the grade, and then that allows us, without having really done anything to the tumor other than putting a needle into it, to make the most appropriate plan. So I think those are some of the unique things that really comes to the fact that it's such a rare tumor and many of them are being filtered here because they're so uncommon that we have a significant experience with all the different types of sarcomas. We also even have, when they built the new hospital in the late you know, 1990s, we actually had them build a lead-lined operating room where we can give intraoperative radiation. So there are very few facilities even in the country that have that. So for some of the sarcomas where we gave, we gave them pre-op radiation or we wanted to give them post-op radiation but were concerned about one particular area more than others, while I have the patient in the OR after the tumor's been removed, the radiation oncologist can come in and give a 10 or 15-minute high-dose like boost, I almost call it spot welding, a very high-dose radiation to that particular one spot with radiation going to virtually none of the other tissues. Instead of having to push it through the patient's normal tissues when they're awake, we can do all of this with the normal tissues pushed out of the way. So it's called intraoperative brachytherapy. So we have the ability to additionally target areas where we think there might be some of those microscopic roots and give even more radiation there without hurting the normal tissues. So that is, that's one of the things that's very unique about um, our operating room here at Roswell Park. Yeah, very thorough, systematic approach. And Dr. Kane, thank you so much for talking with us today about sarcoma. For more information, visit roswellpark.org. That's roswellpark.org. You're listening to Cancer Talk with Roswell Park Cancer Institute. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.